0: Hi, this is Roy Worley. Welcome to the interview show that brings on guests from all walks of life. Yeah, it's here that they tell their stories and delve a little deeper into their lives to see what got them where they are. So grab a drink, have a seat, and relax because this is The Leo Effects. When was the last time a short movie shook your emotions to the core? When was the last time a short movie caused you to rethink everything you stood for? When was the last time a short movie made you proud to be an American? When was the last time you felt the emotion to stand up and cheer after a short movie? The new short movie, I've Got Your Six, written and directed by Bill Foster, one of the industry's newest and fastest climbing directors, will answer all of those questions. Rarely has there been so much packed into a short movie that when you leave, you'll feel more proud of our American military veterans. A movie that was cast only with American military veterans will have you on the edge of your seat cheering for our veterans and what makes America great. I've Got Your Six will be hitting the film festival scene soon. Be prepared to drop what you're doing and go see this powerful movie when it comes to your area. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of The Leo Effects. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest. Uh, We're in the same state, but hours apart, if you can believe it, both of us from New York. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But please allow me to introduce Wendy Stewart Kaplan. How are you today?
1: I am doing fantastic on this Monday. It's a nice, bright, sunny Monday in New York City. And I'm thinking of you up there in the in the woods are you having good weather
0: it's actually not too bad up here we're supposed to be in the 60s today so i'm oh my kind of gosh. excited
1: <laughs> this is great well an early spring right didn't we we just set our clocks ahead we sprung ahead we did so maybe in early spring right
0: yeah i, I mean that would be phenomenal i'm all for that <laughs> <laughs> me too well i had brought it up before that one thing that all New Yorkers have in common is we love to talk about the weather, and so far that's held true with every interview, <laughs> but we're not here to do weather forecasts. We're here to find all about nope. Wendy. That's right. <laughs> so, And my... I'm
1: here to tell you all about Wendy. Well, not all, but well, most. How does that sound? Most about, I like that, most about Wendy on Monday.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's perfect. <laughs> Well, I guess the first question I'd have for you would be, you know, can you tell the listeners what you what you do and what you're known for?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I I do so many things and I do them well and I do them a lot. So, like I tell people, I've got you know, like six different careers. So I have a book out called She's the Last Model Standing, which really encompasses all the things I do. I do modeling. I make travel documentaries. Um, I interview people in wildlife and conservation and in pop culture as well as film. Um, in my modeling, I do, let's see, print ads that you've seen me in, uh, runway, I do what's called fit modeling. That's a really unusual one where I try on clothes. Oh, All right, that's okay. pretty cool. And right, and people don't realize when they go into a store and they they buy something and they put it on and it fits really great. That nine out of ten times, it's somebody like me that had to try on the original garment and get it to fit most people because there's nothing worse than not having your clothes fit.
0: Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. That I so I was- um.
1: So right now, let's see, I'm doing working on a film. Okay, it's called Working Dogs, A Love Story, and it's in development. And most of my projects are passion projects. I try and take the things I believe in and use them to raise money for non for profits. Right. And I'm sure you agree. Film is a great way to do it. Right. Absolutely. You can reach a lot. Right? We can reach a lot of people through film. So working dogs, a love story is about therapy dogs and service dogs, and the bond that those dogs have with their person and the bond that the person has with the dog, which is really, really pretty cool. And there's not been a lot of stuff that's paid tribute you know, to how magnificent these dogs are. I mean, for example, there one person I interviewed, a journalist. He has epilepsy, and the dog can sense um, when he's going to need his medicine, and she'll start to paw him. If he doesn't reach for that medicine right away, she'll paw him even more, you know, making him take the medicine. So people say to me, Well, how does the dog know that? This is really interesting stuff. The dog knows that because certain dogs can smell. Within a person, a chemical reaction, like if a diabetic needs to use their insulin, but certain dogs can can smell. OK, it's time you know, to use that insulin. Uh, dogs can be read to for kids that are having learning issues with reading. Right. Some kids are really shy about reading in the classroom, but guess what? They're not shy about reading to a dog. And now there's programs and libraries. I shot this this. Kid, these kids reading to this wonderful dog a few weeks ago and it improves their reading skills cuz the dog won't judge you right he just sits no. there and looks at you and makes you super comfortable so those are just like two examples but dogs can be used to to find missing people you know so often we read in the paper that somebody's missing and we find out that this dog has, you know, they tell you I was found by a dog, but they never tell you anything about the dog or the process. So my film is being done to really shed light on on all of that. Do you have a
0: dog? I do. I do. He's a little Yorkie.
1: Does your Yorkie have anything special that your Yorkie does?
0: Um, I mean, not as far as tricks or anything like that, but he he's a little snuggle bug. So that's <laughs> we he's love a snuggle
1: him. bug. Right, and you love him. And his snuggle-bugness, right, Doesn't
0: that brings you comfort, right? Right, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I I, just think dogs need to be elevated to a new level. So that's what that, that film is about. And um, hopefully we'll finish the editing and, and have it out by fall of, of
0: this coming year. Awesome. Well, I definitely will keep an eye out for that. That sounds aw- That That's amazing.
1: It really is amazing, right? I try and tell stories about, amazing things and um i'm very lucky i get to
0: do interviews with people right that
1: are doing amazing things and in new york i'm a member of the explorers club and um do you know what the explorers club is a a lot of people don't
0: no i don't i've never heard of that
1: Uh, well so the explorers club you've heard of jane goodall she she takes care of uh the future of chimpanzees right um People like yeah, like Jane Goodall are members. There's only 3,400 members in the world, and I'm a member because I make these documentary films in remote places in the world about uh, people and animals, and I try and tell stories that nobody else is telling, which is really pretty cool. And at the Explorers Club, we um, we have guests come come in, and at various points through my career. I've gotten to interview people that are on the cusp of, you know, conservation that are doing really great things to like save the wolves. Wolves are very endangered right now and terribly misunderstood. The, the Mexican gray wolf, for one. So people, I love interviewing people, right, that are trying to make a difference in the world. Isn't that just the best? People that are, you know, doing work on climate change. We're all being affected by all of this. But to be able to interview people like that. And I like to raise awareness by getting that, that information out there.
0: Really great, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a very noble cause.
1: It's a noble cause. And uh, you know what? For me, it's actually a little selfish because to do it, it makes me feel good. I think having people be out there, getting the truth across to other people through interviews. You know, when you see somebody on television being interviewed or whatever, as as a person, you may connect with them more than you would just reading about them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we we all what do I call that? The human connection. So I'm all about creating those human connections out there. Oh, and then I have a film coming up where um, this is a little different than everything I've told you. I'm also an actress and I have a film coming out where I play the mom of um, a drug addicted kid and it's a film short. It'll probably be in festivals and that was really interesting uh, departure from what I normally do. If if you read about me in my book and if you read the way I write and she's the last model standing, you know, I'm very comedic. I try and take lemons and make it into lemonade. <laughs> but this was my first, ser- first serious role. Can you imagine after all of this time, I finally got cast in a serious role and, um, you know, I get to yell at my teenage kid. And then at one point I, I had to slap him. But here, Here's something I never did before. You, you know, in television and in a film, when you see somebody getting slapped, you know it's rehearsed, right? So mm-hmm. that you you're not. So we rehearsed it and everything. But I was so involved in the heat of the moment, I called off and just I slapped the kid. Oh my God. <gasps> oh no. <laughs> and the director yelled, "That was great. That's a take. And then I apologized to him after like, I am so sorry, you know, Um, I would, of course, try never to do that again. But, you know, when you're a performer, right, you just get taken over by the emotion and and then you just go for it. So that that's what happened to me.
0: Yeah. Most realistic take, though.
1: (laughs) Right. It was the most realistic take. And they and they really loved it.
0: (laughs) That's great. And you you really do. You wear a lot of hats. You do a lot of stuff. I do. Ooh. I do
1: a lot of stuff, but there's a reason for that. I'm a Capricorn
0: oh. and, you know,
1: Capricorn. Oh, you know, you know about, you know about Capricorns?
0: Yeah. Well, I know a lot about the different Zodiac signs.
1: <laughs> you do. Well, that's great. You know, cause sometimes they tell people this and, and they're like, Oh, well, what does that have to do with anything? But we Capricorns, you know, we're always climbing, right? Right. We're always trying to get to the next thing we want. And As human beings, we're really curious. We're curious about things. And I don't know if this has anything to do with my sign, but I don't have a fear factor where I'm afraid of rejection or someone not getting me and it'll make me hold back. It's really great, especially when you're interviewing people or even filmmaking in a a remote place when you're not worried about the other person or the other person judging you on any level. It just kind of lets you do what you need to do organically. It's uh, it's really amazing to, to be able to do that. You know, I, um, some of the films I've made, I did a film on gorillas and chimpanzees in Cameroon, which won the Best Documentary in the Chelsea Film Festival. And it's called Whispers and Witnesses, Primate Rescue in Cameroon. And I had met two women that were at the Explorers Club that had rescue centers in Africa, in this country, Cameroon. And they had to create these rescue centers because I'm sure you and all your listeners know about the situation with poaching, right? Mm, right? Not just in Africa, it's everywhere. Right. And, um, I had heard that because they had started these rescue centers, they were now able to get the babies of like the mother gorillas or the mother chimpanzees. They were able to get those babies and raise them in a rescue center with other groups of chimpanzees and gorillas and keep them safe. That's a really cool thing when you think about it, right? It increases the gorilla and chimpanzee population and uh, these rescue centers are run by volunteers. And I met these two women that had these rescue centers. I met them in New York and I thought to myself, that would make a great film. So the beauty of nowadays, everybody has email. I don't care how remote you are in the world. And I wrote to them and I said, I want to make a film about what you're doing. And I also told them, you know, after I met them, I took my frequent flyer miles and went and got a ticket to Cameroon. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for impulsive? Yeah. <laughs> Not checking anything out. Right. Thinking, um, oh, I'll just go and do this. I never bothered to check anything out so they wrote back to me and said you do understand you need a letter from the government to come here and visas and, and all of that and I'm like well great you know." so just tell me how to do that so they ended up writing me the letter and I got the visa and myself and my husband went my, so my filmmaking this is so great my husband is a still photographer and a cinematographer mm-hmm. and I am the on camera narrator and I also create very loosely structured scripts that we work from And off we went to Cameroon. But people told me things like, oh, it's got no tourist infrastructure. I really didn't know what they meant. So, uh, you know, the plane lands in Cameroon and I was waiting for somebody to come. You know how somebody meets you where they have your name on a sign? Have you ever had that happen when you've? Yeah. You know, and that's very comforting, right? You've been on like a 16 hour flight. You get to the other, you're exhausted and you look for that sign with your name on it. Well, there was a sign with our name on it, but was held by a six foot, well over six foot five soldier, incredible soldier, fully armed.
0: Oh, my goodness. And there, and
1: there was our name, there was our name, Kaplan. And I thought, oh, OK. Um, and we go up to him and uh, I introduced myself to him. And uh, he I'll never forget this. He said, hello, my name is Kennedy. The soldiers there all have names of presidents. How cool is that? American presidents. I never quite found out why that is. He says, my name is Kennedy. My English, not so good. (laughs) But you know what? That didn't matter because he was absolutely lovely. And um, he had a truck a huge truck out in the parking lot and that is how we traveled around cameroon for the next 10 days so i had some really really
0: cool experiences that way i love
1: life experiences why else are we on this earth right
0: exactly yeah what kind of life experiences did you have that led you to being a, a fit model though
1: oh that's that's a really good question this is this is crazy okay but you know i grew up in the bronx and um you know, just really like normal childhood. But I remember being uh, a little girl, like six years old. And my mother, my mother was beautiful. She um, had been Miss Runner Up uh, for Connecticut in the Miss America pageant, 1935. And I was very enamored with her glamour growing up in the Bronx, right? My mother would go to the supermarket with her beautifully lined lips full face and makeup. I remember her wearing her mink stone oh to goodness. go to the associated. Right. And you know, when you were a little kid, right? This, these are the kinds of things you were like, Oh wow. I had, my mom was different from everybody else's. Mm-hmm. And I really just identified with her glamor. And I remember saying to her mom, I want to be a model when I grow, grow up. And the interesting thing about my, my modeling career, I went to my first model agency. I was 15 years old, and they said to me, it was Ford Models. Big, have, you've heard of them, right? Big model agency, and they've represented a lot of the superstars. Mm-hmm. And they said to me, who, who told you you should be a model? And, of course, they didn't accept me at all. Can you imagine? Oh, my goodness. But, you know, this, this, this kid did not give up, 15, 16, 17, rejected, rejected, rejected. Go to college graduate, I'm 21 years old, come to New York, same thing. Uh, Had few pictures, nope, nope. Uh, Things like the angles in your face don't match the angles in your body. So anyone else would have walked away and not dealt with it and gone on to do something else. But maybe, you know, maybe it's my Capricorn determinedness. And I went over to Europe where I did get with a modeling agency because it was a little easier to do that. And I got better pictures. And I came back here and I got with, it was a small agency, not a well-known agency, but I got a model agency to take me and I started to get clients. And one of the things I started to do early on in the game was find this area that was called fit modeling and no one knew what it was because there was like a handful of people that did it. There's a lot more people now, but nobody knew that when designers make a sketch and they put it on the runway, say Paris, right? There, are, It's on a 16-year-old girl that's a size two.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you
1: take that, that garment, right, and make it mass market? How do you make it fit regular people? Like I have clients that you've heard of, like Eileen Fisher or Walmart. Those brands fit regular people. Well, what's the process involved? A human being, which is myself, a fit model, has to take a sample, try it on and tell them where it's too big, where it's too small, how to make it shaped better for a regular person. Because it's real easy to put a tiny garment on a tiny girl and have it look fabulous. But how do you take it and put it on, you know, a normal woman, right? I am what they call a standard size eight. And from from my measurements, they can make it bigger, they can make it smaller. But it's up to me to figure out how to make that garment look good on everybody like for say a, a blouse where you don't want the neck too high because it's going to look too uptight, but you don't want it too low because it's too sexy for the office. So right. what's the happy medium in between? I'm I'm the person that tells you how to make that fit. Or if that you put a coat on, you want to be able to move in your clothes. We, we all know, and I'm sure if you ask the ladies out there, sometimes they'll go in and they'll see something that's just beautiful and they take it off of the hanger and they take it in the dressing room and they try it on and they can't move in it. That has got to be the worst feeling in the world, right? When you put on something and it's like a straitjacket. Oh yeah. My job is is to tell them, you know, you've got to make that armhole a little bigger, a little rounder, so that you can lift your arms up in it. So that's really cool, right?
0: Yeah. Now I gotcha. That's now a... you
1: guys. I mean, I'm sure. Like, I, I, I can't see you, but let's see. What do you have? A button down shirt on, or a sweater? What are you wearing?
0: Uh, honestly, I went for comfort today, so I'm wearing some running pants and a t-shirt.
1: <laughs> okay, all right. So let's talk about your running pants and,
0: and the t. This is so funny. It's like
1: one of those crank phone calls. What are you wearing right You're now? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, let's talk about running pants and, and a t-shirt. And you put out a good point. You went for comfort in these times most people want to be comfortable in their clothes, right? A lot of corporate offices now have dress down Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to come in in their jeans and a sweater and be comfortable. So that T-shirt that, that you have on, you don't want that arm hole to be too tight on that T-shirt. You know, you're sitting here talking to me. You want to be able to to move in it. You don't want the sleeve too short. That feels kind of bare. You don't want it too long. Right. So I have to figure out what's what's going to be the best for you. The length of that T-shirt... You you know you want to feel comfort in it. Every time you're you're leaning over to talk to me, you don't want that t-shirt riding riding up, where you have to keep pulling it down. Mm-hmm. So you see, it's the same for men as as it is for women. You know those running pants that you have on. I'm assuming you run, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you run you run in those pants. So when you're running in them, you got to be able to move in them. You don't want to have to futz with the the waist because it's too tight or too big, right? Neither exactly. of those things are going to work. So yeah, so it's my job to make sure that those those fit on you. How about that?
0: I like it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's good, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great. So
1: that's what a fit modeled us.
0: Cool. And you've been yeah. on a bunch of shows, uh, like TV shows, right? That and did you talk about that on there, or did you talk about um, your humanitarian stuff? Like, uh...
1: so on on TV shows, I have have been on as a guest to talk about. You know, the humanitarian work, the filmmaking uh, with animals, working with non for profits, interviewing people from non for profits to get their message out, right? Because I, I love interviewing people because I try and do a certain kind of interview that really makes them, you know, be at ease. And not everybody likes to be on television. You know, not everybody wants their 15 seconds of fame. So, you know, my job is to make them feel so comfortable that, that they get their message across. Right. So that's one kind of television. But I don't know if you know this, but I've been on some of those daytime television reality shows. I've been booked as a guest and told like what I had to be, which was complete fiction. Okay. I had to actually create a character. Like this is a good example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I think they're stricter in terms of what the characters have to be that, that come on. I would like to think like when you see the people that are on Dr. Phil, they really are going through the trauma. They say they're going through, but I was on the Jerry Springer show before people were beating each other up. And Jerry had me come on to talk about – he wanted a really interesting guest that had kooky pets. And I live in a New York apartment with a cockatoo, two rabbits, and a chihuahua. And at the time, um, Jerry Springer loved the fact that I was living in a New York apartment with a bird that basically – was running our lives, she, you know, which we were raising her like a, a baby because anybody that's ever had a parrot, these things are as smart as a two year old kid. So the <laughs> right. segment was called my, my parrot is ruining my life. Oh. And you know, it, it was about how my husband and I had to wake up at a certain time every day because the bird would scream, hello, hello, hello. because <laughs> He wanted her breakfast at a certain time. I'm not kidding you. And um, if you didn't give her enough attention, and by that, I mean, like, if you're reading a book, she had to be on your shoulder, leaning over while you're reading the book, and you'd go to turn the page, and she would take and turn the page with her beak. All right, I'll be honest here, she wouldn't always turn the page, she would shred the page with her, oh, her geez. beak. But, oh, it's funny, But parrots are very complicated, and they're very highly intelligent. So, you know, Jerry basically had me on to talk about, you know, the my crazy relationship with the bird. And this was the funniest thing at the time I was pregnant. And, um, I was trying to explain to Jerry that that bird would sit on my stomach and I swear to you, I think she thought, you know, she was hatching the egg. I know that. Oh, geez. I know, I know this. Can you imagine? It was like a giant egg. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was like a really cool thing to get to do on the Jerry Springer show. And I was on uh, Geraldo Rivera had actually shown clips of my wedding. I had a costume wedding where everybody came. Nobody, first of all, was Halloween. Don't ever have a wedding on Halloween because oh. here's the thing. People think it's a big joke. Uh, I didn't get a lot of gifts. They thought it was like a Halloween party themed as a wedding. Can you imagine that?
0: Oh, my goodness. So,
1: I know. A lot of people became dressed as members of a wedding party, you know, groups of people. Very clever except when you know it's a guy as a as a bride and he has five o'clock shadow and he's saying he's wendy kaplan (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) right and he really needed a shave so um what what did i learn from that don't you know don't ever give like a a wedding on halloween no one will take you seriously but it's great to go on a talk show right and And talk about the kind of crazy things that you've done. I've been on shows with my pets, of course. Right. Because everybody wants to know why a New York City person is living in an apartment with rabbits, a a cockatoo, and a chihuahua. And I always like to emphasize, my rabbits are not caged. They go in a litter box.
0: Oh, wow. My cockatoo's
1: not kept in a cage either. At night, I put her in her cage because she likes that. She feels safe. Mm -hmm. And I can cover her. You know, birds want to feel like they're in the forest at night in the tree, and they're they're safe. But she's out all day, and so are the rabbits.
0: Nice. And we all
1: live here in amazing bliss in New York City. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> and was it the same on the Howard Stern show? Did you have to be like a, a character on that show as well?
1: How okay, Sue so Howard Stern. It, as you see, I've done a lot of film work comedic film work and a a lot of the film work i've done do you know who trauma productions is i don't okay so they make they make these really crazy low budget films one of them is called toxic avenger and i did a film called squeeze play about a girl's softball team that the the titles of their films are are very innuendo but they're really very funny Uh very quirky films and i talked about be working for a trauma production because here's the thing and and this is in my book too um Trauma Production managed, and to this day they're cranking them out, very low-budget films, and it's great if you're just getting started in the film industry because it's very easy to get a speaking part. Any actor will tell you to get your first speaking part is a, a really hard thing, right? Most of the time you'll get cast as an extra. Mm-hmm. But, um, for example, in, in one of their films I um, I played a, a secretary And I mostly followed my boss around taking notes about him. I think I had six lines in the entire film, but the other beauty of a trauma production film, they have great distribution. All right. And they will send you as an actor, to promote their film
0: so of course
1: my my apprehension was oh my gosh you know you're sending me to like Evansville, Indiana, Henderson, Kentucky where the film was opening putting me in a mall where I was going to be signing my 8x10s like you know like a real star right but I had six lines in the film (laughs) and what I know right it's really funny but um, Lloyd Kaufman who's a terrific person said to me, you don't need to worry about anything because what we're going to do is we're going to set this up before the film opens and we'll have you out of there. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> before people can even see you on film. Oh my goodness. So, you know what? That's, I know. Right. But it, it just goes to show you, but you know what? I had a blast doing it and to have like, to be a role model for little kids that are lined up and you're giving them your, you know, your eight by 10, Best wishes! So happy to meet you. Good luck, Wendy Stewart. Enjoy the film. Come on, that's that's great. <laughs> that is it great. Is, it is really, it is great, right? So, I, I guess at the end of the day, being I'm a performer, right? All all around, I do everything. It, I think it's such a great way to spread goodwill in the world. And right now, I feel our world really needs goodwill. It needs people doing kind gestures. It needs people bringing wonderful things to the party, and everything I do, I try and handle with a sense of humor.
0: That's awesome, and that's absolutely correct. I agree with that one hundred percent. The world needs a little more love.
1: We need a little more love, and you know what we need? We need laughter. Who said? Who said laughter is the best medicine?
0: I don't even Laugh- remember. It, who it could have it it but... been like
1: Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield, or one of those really well-known comedians, but isn't that the truth? Laughter is the best medicine. I think there've been studies done on that, that, you know, people, people that laugh live longer,
0: they live happier
1: lives. So yeah. So I think that's an important message to remember.
0: I agree. And as the show kind of winds down here, I'd like to open the floor up to you to let the listeners know what kind of social medias they can find you on where to what to type in and follow along.
1: Oh my god, thank you so much because you know I'm everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, so my website is I'll give the whole thing. I love giving the wwws. So it's com. Okay, that's easy. Mm-hmm. And then on Facebook, I'm Wendy W E N D Y Stuart S T U A R T. On Instagram, I'm She's the Last Model Standing. So that's just like my book. Okay. And then also on Facebook, I have uh, awards for our films. And that's under Visual Journeys, Our Stories. And I do also have a page on Facebook for my, my book, She's the Last Model Standing. Awesome. Okay, you can find me on Twitter under She's the Last Model Standing, but I have to be honest with you. I'm on so many forms of social media. I say this to people all the time. I could, like, just quit doing everything I'm doing and be on social media all day. Don't you find that it just (laughs) becomes, like...
0: It does. It do- yeah, there's so many different platforms now that it's time there's consuming. There's so many.
1: Right. It's so time consuming and you're uploading pictures all the time and then people write to you and you know what? I write back. I want to tell your audience that I'm a girl that writes back. So yes, if you get in touch with me, I will write right back to you. So please do. And most importantly, my book is available on Amazon and on Kindle. She's the last model standing and you can order it from Amazon or Kindle.
0: Awesome. I'm going to put the links to that in the description of the podcast so the listeners can click on that. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. So, Wendy, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and regaling me with your tales. They were hilarious and awesome (laughs) and just so much fun.
1: So much fun meeting you here today, and I hope everybody has just a beautiful, positive day. And I always tell people, Today, do one amazing action that will affect one person. That's all any of us has to do.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you to the listeners who tuned in to check this out. Please click on the links. Click on the likes, the buttons, the bells, all that good stuff. Follow along with Wendy. She's doing amazing things in the world. And the world needs it. So thank you very much. And we will see you all next time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, creatures of all ages, what an amazing show. Thank you for lending an ear and joining us. I'm the host, Ray Rumsey, and if you want to hear more interviews, simply head to anywhere podcasts are heard, Facebook or Twitter, and search The Leo Effects, with an A, not an E. If you'd like to hear me doing silly voices and making a general fool of myself, head over to Shattered Dungeons on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We live stream every Tuesday night. More projects are in the works. For now, stay tuned for more interviews. To book yourself as a guest, you can head to theleoeffectswixsitecom slash podcast or send me an email at theleoeffects@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Remember, this has been The Leo Effects, and great shows require great listeners just like you. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.